Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. If you have ever felt like things were going in the exact opposite direction of how you thought they were going to go, or things are not looking anything like what God has recently spoken to you, then this episode is yours. It is titled, Endure the Contradiction. Take a listen, and I hope it provokes you to go deeper with Him and to connect with me. Hey, everybody. Great to be together right here. Come on now, jump in. This is Tent Talk. So good to have you with me. I want to talk some more about enduring the contradiction. I want to look at the ways, the levels, the textures, the ways that God works, the way he gets people ready, that he doesn't do everything in a cookie-cutter fashion. If you keep trying to squeeze him into that, or let's just say in these wild, wonderful, explosive, interesting times that we are living in, If you're trying to take one uh, formula and apply it to how everybody is supposed to talk the same, sound the same, do the same, then you must have missed my mojo principle. All right. So this past uh, Monday on November 9th, uh, I did a Facebook Live and an IG Instagram Live. And you should really go back and check both of those posts out. Uh, at N.B. McCready on Instagram and on my public page on Facebook and check those out. When I talked about the Mojo Principle, here's my Mojo Principle. Mo for Moses, Joe for Joseph. Moses was, uh, was sent to speak to power from outside the system. He said, let my people go. And he was raised in that system. He was speaking to Pharaoh, but let's remember where Moses was raised. He was raised in Pharaoh's house. So that was somebody in his family that he was sent back to speak to. He was speaking to power, having been in that very familiar atmosphere. Now he was outside of it. He had tried to do it in his own tenacity, where he killed one Egyptian when God was trying to deliver them from Egypt. And so oftentimes we kind of, Uh, know the essence of what God is saying and what he's wanting to do, but we don't yet know the substance. Let me say that again. Sometimes we have caught the essence of what God wants to do, but we don't yet know the substance of what it's going to really look like and what it's going to really take. And that's why you got to stay with God. That's why we have to get in there. That's why we have to let him develop us. Now think about Moses. All right. He was in Pharaoh's house. He he suddenly decided, I've got to identify with my, my people. Right. And he steps out, tries to do it in his own strength. Uh, total disaster. But the calling does not leave. But the preparation continues. Then he's on the, uh, you know, in the desert uh, for 40 years and and uh, the day in and the day out. And then there comes the time when he is sent back. So that's Moses. That's the Mo. Okay. Then you've got Joseph, who through his own set of unusual circumstances 
is, you know, has a dream from God. He has a calling. Uh, he, he's got a destiny. He's got a future. And he tells everybody about it. And those people are not excited. They happen to be his family, his brothers, right? They try to do away with him, all of that. So now through this unbelievable journey from the pit to the prison to the palace to, you know, here and there through all kinds of levels and textures and circumstances and, and uh, decisions on Joseph's part, guess what? Joseph ends up inside the system. He is a trusted second man to Pharaoh, and his influence is inside the system. Therefore, he must operate in a different way than Moses, who stands outside the system and speaks in. But surely you would agree with me that Moses and Joseph were used powerfully of God. They knew God. They, they walked with God in unusual ways. But the mojo is one was outside the system and one was in. You can't say that everybody's got to speak in the same way or operate in the same way, though it is one faith, one Lord, one kingdom. And uh, God is well able to use different people in different ways to accomplish his purposes. And, you know, in every generation, God has had people. Okay, his people, the kind of people that he and he alone can build, just like he built Moses, he built Joseph, he builds us. He has built men and women throughout the generations who stood and were uh, his mouthpiece in those generations. My question is, is will he have those in this generation and shall it be you and me? Will it be you? that is going to accomplish in whatever way it's going to look, that you're going to accomplish what God has given you in this unbelievable, multifaceted, multi-generational, multi-dimensional work that is happening right now. We are watching God move. It's not just a move of God, like some part of God begins to move. No, I am saying to you, even though I don't fully understand it all, I am saying to you, God is moving. And we all must move with him in the uniqueness of what he's calling us to. There just comes a time, my friends, when that herd mentality, it has got to go by the wayside. It doesn't mean we're not going to move as one. It doesn't mean that we are not going to be his church. Uh, his many-membered church. It does not mean that there will not be a symphonic sound made up of many different instruments of righteousness. So we can certainly move as one, but a herd mentality, okay, will not make it within that oneness that is going to happen. It's the diversity of, of path, of voice, of sound, of effect, of impact, of measure. And we've got to be ready to let him be the one who has set that so that we take hold of our personal responsibility to navigate the new, steward our uh, future, if you will, to begin to step out into that. So I shared that with the mojo principle. I've also talked about this with Esther and Mordecai. All right, now look, Esther, she got, you know, a lot of the, 
the uh, public airwaves, the public time, people talk about her, but come on, if you read through the book of Esther, you will find there is no Esther without Mordecai. So he moves behind the scenes, but this Mordecai, who positions former orphans, who positions people for uh, their place in the destiny of the holy nation of God, this Mordecai just did what he was supposed to do, his unique assignment, guard that orphan girl named Esther, raise her, give her wisdom, show her how to move in the different seasons of her life. Uh, it was not just one cookie cutter bit of wisdom. But this Mordecai did not bow or bend to Haman. And let me tell you what, Mordecai enraged uh, Haman because Haman was self on steroids and he was ego driven, right? And Mordecai was very clear. He was behind the scenes. He was doing what he was given to do. And he himself was very powerfully being used, and also he was used to position Esther. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady. So the famous lines of, you know, it might be that you've come into the kingdom for such a time as this was actually Mordecai speaking to Esther and rebuking her. He said, listen, you're in the palace. Don't forget why you're in the palace. You're beautiful. Don't forget why you're beautiful. You smell good. Don't forget why you smell good. Do not get caught in the trap of what most people do is they get confused by the favor and they forget why the favor was given to them. The favor is given to get you in with people and places that you would never be able to get into on your own. And so when you get there, it is to fulfill an assigned purpose by God. And what can happen is, is we get caught up in the smell good. We get caught up in the look good. We get caught up in who we're with, what we have. And we suddenly begin to, you know, think somehow that we are set apart from everyone else when we were actually sent in to be a part of being the deliverance for others. And so Mordecai, okay, has to, whereas before he was, you know, he's giving Esther wisdom, she's obeying, they're moving together, all of that. You can just see it. Mordecai, Esther, Mordecai, Esther, all right? And at this time, Mordecai has to send word to her and says, look, don't think that because you're inside the palace in your favorite spot, that if we go down, you're not going to go down. He says, you have been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this, and don't forget it. And it ignites Esther. Again, Mordecai's words ignite Esther into her God-given destiny, and she begins to uh, make decisions, goes into a fast, does what she needs to do, and she is integral in uh, literally saving the holy nation of God. Now, eventually, the very public gallows that Haman, the enemy to the holy nation, was building to cause uh, Mordecai to swing and to hang, ends up by Mordecai and Esther's individual but cohesive actions causes Haman to be the one that swings on the gallows that he, that he built to destroy them. He wanted to destroy Mordecai, and yet he did the public swinging. And I've got a lot I could say about that, but I'm not going to do it right now. 
So I want you to see this, this unique, textured, powerful way that God uses different people in different seasons, different generations. And don't be cookie cutter. Don't try to clone yourself after someone else. Do not compare and contrast yourself to others. It's a dead-end way of living. You've got to get ready to be able to own your life in him. And though our bond is that we all have the same father, we all have the same DNA, it is Christ in us, and we are in him, there comes a time in your maturing, there comes a time under the big tent of his presence where he gets very specific with you as he had to do with Moses and with Joseph, with Mordecai and with Esther. And their individual decisions caused them to move very powerfully with God and with others. Because we've got to recognize that there comes a place where Jesus looks at you just like he did with Peter in John chapter 21. And he says, Peter, whatever I do with John, whether I let him live or die, what is that to you? You follow me. It is so specific. Why? Well, because that is how Jesus himself lived. That is how he spoke to his disciples. That is how he is speaking to us today. You have got to get ready to run your race in this moment of history. And it's not going to cause you to be a rebel. It's not going to cause you to just, you know, be doing illegal things. Okay. It, it means that you are an awakened person. It means that your conscience has come alive to God by the blood of Jesus. No accusation will stick. No threat will stick. No guilt will stick. That means that you get baptized in confidence and you begin to walk in a way that's full of humility because you know you could never be bringing yourself into all of this. It had to be God. And so I want to close out today's episode with another powerful look at two people in the same set of, um, uh, they were in the same experience, if you will, or the same set of circumstances, but each having their own experience and they were each responsible to do their own. Now it's Jesus and John the Baptist. Now listen, this is so powerful. Here comes Jesus. Now remember, John and Jesus, they have known each other all their lives. John jumped in his mother's womb, Elizabeth, and Jesus was in Mary's womb. They came together, okay? So here they are, and Jesus is getting ready to be baptized. And in Matthew 3, verse 13, it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. But John protested strenuously having in mind to prevent him, to prevent Jesus, by saying, it is I who have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? See, I love this. All right, so here's the setup. Jesus is coming to be baptized by John, and John is thinking, me? No, I should be baptized by Jesus. Who am I to do this? And he's going to protest, and he's going to strenuously attempt I love it when everybody's trying to strenuously, strenuously attempt to get Jesus off the path. Oh, that's not going to happen. Okay. But listen to this, how powerful. Verse 15. But Jesus replied to him, permit it just now, for this is the fitting way for both of us to fulfill all righteousness. That is to perform completely whatever is right. Then. He permitted him, and when Jesus was baptized, he went up at once out of the water, and behold, 
the heavens were opened and he, John, saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my son, my beloved, in whom I delight. And then Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit out into the wilderness. But let me make this point. It took Jesus doing his part and John doing his part to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus is like, look, John, this isn't really an issue of you being unworthy. That's not really the point. The point is, I'm here to be baptized by you, and you need to decide if you're going to do your part. Because it's going to take both of us to fulfill this uh, righteousness for us to perform completely what is right. Do you understand that in this day and hour, we don't have the luxury uh, to be uh, talking about how unworthy we are? What a luxury. Come on, my friends. He has, he has set our value. He has caused us to be worthy. He has put the mandate upon us to live in oneness with him, to walk with him, to know him, so that there can be a producing of life through us. So I'm going to say the same thing to you. Whether you're Mo or Joe, whether you're Mordecai or Esther, all right, whether you are John the Baptist or you are Peter, okay, the voice of Jesus, the voice of the Father, the voice of the Holy Spirit is speaking now and saying, come on, endure all the contradictions get over being unworthy, get over whatever strenuously protesting point you're trying to make and yield, yield it to them and endure the contradictions, endure things that you thought were going to take you out, things that you thought were never going to happen, right? There are so many levels to this, but we've got to be those. And maybe I'll, I'll talk about some of those more in detail uh, on the next episode. But we have got to understand that God uses people who let him. And he will do it his way for his purposes. And it may look a whole lot different than what you thought it was going to look like. But you have got to own your race and you have got to yield to him. And whoever that brings you into partnership with, whoever that brings you into connection with, remember this, it is for God's purposes. It is for the advancement, the increase the expansion of his kingdom in the hearts of people and that they would know him and that God's will will be accomplished through on purpose, uh, through his sons by on purpose obedience to what he's calling each of us to do in this very unique hour of history. So my friends, how awesome it's been to be together today. And I'm going to say to you the same thing that Jesus said to John the Baptist. Permit it just now, for this is the fitting way for both of us to fulfill all righteousness. And I love this part. It says, then John the Baptist permitted him. He's like, I'll baptize you. I will do my part that has been assigned to me. Let's make that our call today. All right? Until next time, love you all. If you'd like information on how to book Nancy McCready for an event or speaking engagement, visit nancymccready.com.